Well, it's good to see everybody. It is great to be together on this day. It is great to have a place to come together on this day. And not worry about persecution, as other places have to worry sometimes when they come together to worship our God and to worship and praise Jesus Christ. This evening at 5 o'clock, I hope you're going to be here for our celebration of the hard work that our young people of this congregation have done for LTC, to prep for LTC, which they did last uh, weekend. I hope you can come and celebrate what they've done. Today's sermon is about using the gifts that you have. And so if you want to put that into practice, a gift that you have is some time this afternoon at 5 o'clock. And you can come see the gifts that the young people have put into practice. And it'll be a double blessing. So why don't you show up tonight at 5 o'clock? I hope you can do that. Join us. Um, yesterday at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. I was there back in the 90s. I guess Jeremy, Tony, and Ike were there just a few months ago uh, in Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. There's a ceremony that takes place there on the day before, the Saturday before Orthodox Easter. Today is Orthodox Easter. The Easter is celebrated in the Orthodox Church. And uh, priests go into the little tomb area and they come out with a lit torch. They come out with this torch that wasn't on fire when they went in, and now it's on fire. And it's supposed to have lit miraculously. Nobody sees what happens in there. But the, the, the real cool thing happens after that. Because as many people as the Israeli police will allow into the church have crowded in there, and they've all brought candles. And... The people that are closest to the torch, they stick their candles out, and those candles light. And then they hold their candles back, and other people jamming their candles in, and they're lighting those candles. And then they're holding their candles back, and other people are jamming their candles to those, and lighting them. And so it's just like, supposedly, people who have seen it, just, just rippling across the church. And then there are people crowded around outside. Again, as many as the Israeli police will allow, are crowded around outside. And people are jamming their candles out the door. And people are grabbing and getting that light. And it passes to all the worshipers that have gathered there for that day. This light coming from the supposed tomb of Jesus. And it goes farther than that. Uh, according to the news story that I was listening to, uh, it says that that there are special flights chartered to take that light, to take the light <laughs> uh, to uh, Athens, to take that light to uh, Moscow, to take that light to uh, various other centers of the faith. It usually goes to Kiev, but because of the war, it, the, no flight can get in there, and so it's going to be taken to Moldova, then it's going to be transported by uh, land into Poland, and then across the Polish border into uh, 
uh, Ukraine and up the road up to Kiev. The idea is that this light that starts in the tomb of Jesus, starts with the resurrection of Jesus, is not meant to just be about Jesus. It's meant to be about all the people that believe in Jesus. It's supposed to be a worldwide light. That's a really cool symbol. That's a really cool symbol of, of what I think is actually the truth about the resurrection. You can quibble about all kinds of things if you want to, but that symbol is really a good aspiration. And I hope, and this ties into what Jeremy said in his Lord's Supper talk today, we didn't coordinate, but I hope that for everybody who lights that light, that's more than a symbol. And I hope those of us who are hearing about it today, it's more than a symbol. Jesus coming out of that tomb changed everything, still changes everything. It changes the way you live your life right this second. And the people that see you need to see a light when they look at you. And the people that look at this church, they need, I mean, they need to see a light shining in this place. That's what needs to happen. And I think Peter is talking about that in this passage that I want us to meditate on a little bit this morning. If you have your Bibles or you have that study sheet, turn over to this passage that we had read this morning, 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And I just want us to spend a little time thinking through what Peter is saying to us. Peter's mainly writing to a group of churches that are undergoing some persecution. And he says, even when people are treating you badly, you still have a blessing to give to the, to the world. You, you can't let the world's evil treatment of you stamp out the light you are meant to give to the world. Can't let it happen. You still have a blessing to give. And in this little passage, he talks about the gifts of God. He talks about the fact that God, through the resurrection of Jesus, has put light in you, has put gifts in you, has put abilities in you, and those are meant for specific purposes. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 is kind of, I'm taking it as a summary verse for this whole section. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful administrators of God's grace in its various forms. As faithful stewards, administrators of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever grace you have received, gift you have received, charisma you have received, you have been made an overseer of it. Could God do a better job using the gift than you? Yeah, God, God's better at everything than us, right? I mean, so of course, God could do a better job with the gift that you've been given than you could. 
He's better at everything. Why did he give it to you? The stuff he's given to you, why did he give it to you? This is the mystery of why he created humans in his image. What are humans that you are mindful of us? You created us a little lower than angels, but you crowned us with glory and honor. The psalmist is puzzled by this. God has chosen you for this honor to be a light to the world. To take the gifts that he gives you and to use them with your best brain power and with your best love in your heart to be a light out to the world on God's behalf. That's the picture. The resurrection life, the life changed by the fact that Jesus died and rose victorious over that death. That's what is meant to happen for you. And that's how you bless the world and you bless your brothers and sisters. Look back uh, to verse 7 and 8. If you're in your Bibles, look at verse 7 and 8. If God has given you any good thing, he wants you to do good with it, of course. And then Peter says this, if God has forgiven your sins, he means for you to forgive those who sin against you. The end of all things is near, verse 7 says. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You wouldn't believe the number of interpretations there are of that phrase, love covers a multitude of sins. It seems to be derived from Proverbs chapter 10, maybe verse 12. And you know, people have wondered, well, is this a sacrament? I mean, is this a way that I can get my sins forgiven? If I, if I can just make myself grit my teeth and, you know, love Ike a little bit, does that, you know, kind of counterbalance some of the, my failings, right? Does that, does, that do, does that cover over my sins? Like, if I, if I love him two times, I can mark off two of my sins. That is that what that's about? Maybe. I don't know. People have actually argued something a little more sophisticated sounding than that, but along that vein. The Proverbs passage is actually not about my sins. It's about other people's sins. The Proverbs passage, Proverbs 10, 11, and 12. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over. All wrongs. You can tell what the context is in Proverbs, right? This is a proverb about the evil we do or the good we can do with how we choose to talk about other people, right? I mean, that's what that, those proverbs are about. The people around you are human beings and they're imperfect. The people around you that are intimate with you, that you know, you know what's going on with them. People around you are going to mess up. And, and this proverb is about what are your words going to do about the failings of the people around you? What are your words going to do about that? 
right? Because your words could take those failings and hold a megaphone up to them so that they are amplified 10,000 times out into the world, right? I think I'm just going to post about this now. In fact, it's not juicy enough, so I'm going to add a little embellishment. I actually have a gift for embellishment. I'm really going to, you know. What are your words going to do with this failing of another person? They failed. It's their fault. All I'm doing is just reporting it. How, am, how is this my problem? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the wicked hides his violence. Hatred stirs up conflict. Love covers over all sins, all wrongs. Back in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, Peter's listing kind of things that, that Christians need to get out of their lives and to suppress in their lives, even if they're bad habits they've had in their previous existence as non-Christians. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice. And he ends the list with, and slander of every kind. So when he comes here and he says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins, I think in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, what he means is the church has enough enemies outside of it. It's being persecuted. It's got people, plenty of people, aiming their guns to, to pick apart all the things that they find wrong with it. Even when the church is righteous, the, the enemies of Christianity are still shooting at it, trying to blow it up and destroy it. Don't help them with your word. God has given you the power of speech. God has given you the power of communication. Don't help the world make things worse by the way you talk nasty about your brothers and sisters. Just don't do it. Now... Maybe people in this church, maybe people in other churches that you've been to have hurt you. And, 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 and that's an ongoing hurt. And listen, I wasn't there. I do not know the details. And so I cannot give you specific instructions because it's not mine, it's yours, it's your hurt. No, nobody but you can, can resolve this, but but I'm just asking you to hear what God says and be eager to obey it to the best of your ability. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. If God has forgiven your sins, he means for you to forgive those who sin against you. 
Look down at verse 9, next verse. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Pretty simple. If God has given you what you need and more than you need, he means for you to use some of it to meet the needs of others. It's real simple. In the early church, hospitality was absolutely essential. There was no chain of Motel 6s that people could stay at. If you're a missionary, you are traveling to another town counting on the fact, you didn't know who was there, but you were counting on the fact that somebody would keep you from starving to death or having to sleep out in the rain. That was the deal. And hospitality was considered a huge, huge moral obligation. And among Christians, it was considered a particularly important obligation because the Christian missionaries relied on it so significantly. I hope you have a chance to talk to Lynn Furhelm and Nate Crispin when they come back from Togo. I hope you have a chance to listen to them tell you stories of how the different Christian groups that they visited in Togo took care of them. You will hear some things about hospitality, I guarantee you. I've experienced that in similar circumstances in Nigeria. It is crucial today for us to use what we have to take care of the needs of others. I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know what you have and what you're able to give. I just know you've been given some stuff, and, and God wants you to take the gifts that you have and use them for his glory to take care of the needs of the saints. The, the, the Jews had some devotional literature that was written kind of between the end of the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, Psalms of Solomon. And, and one of the Psalms of Solomon, about uh, chapter 5, says, if kindness is given once, it is good. If kindness is given a second time without grumbling, it is remarkable. I think that's so interesting. You know, I can, I can kind of bring myself to do something nice for you the first time. But the second time, or the third time, or the fifth time, I'm starting to feel like you're taking advantage of me. starting to feel like you don't properly appreciate me. I'm wanting you to at least write me a card. Without grumbling, Peter says. And, and the only way to do that is to remember, where'd you get all this stuff? <laughs> Who gave all this to you? Where's it coming from? What do you have that you have not received? All this stuff I know is a blessing from God and it is a blessing for me to find someone I can give it to. It's part of how I let my light shine. Look at verse 11. First part of verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. This is he says, you know, if you've got any gifts, use them as a good administrator for the glory of God. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. He's talking about 
having the gift or, or the ability to speak, any of the speaking gifts, uh, if, if you go back to Romans chapter 12 that has a whole long list of spiritual gifts, if you go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that's got a whole list of spiritual gifts that given for administration of the church, if you go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 12, it's got a whole list of gifts of the church, and that discussion goes on for a couple of chapters. I think that those might be some of the gifts they're talking about, but the Bible seems to think that there's lots and lots of gifts. The lists that we have are clearly not exhaustive lists of the kinds of gifts and talents that God has cooked into you so that you can be a servant to the church. So, so you know kind of the things that you have been blessed with the ability to do beyond those around you. You don't have to be miraculously blessed. You know, you may still have to work at it. But, but you have the ability to teach. You have the ability to persuade. You have the ability to use your words to comfort. And you know that. You have the ability to write. You have the ability to use your words in a way that glorifies God. And if you do then use them for that. If you've got the ability to do that, you've got the ability to use them to build up the kingdom of darkness too. And Peter is saying, turn your words towards the light. Turn your words towards the glory of God. Make your words, every word you say, the kind of word you would be happy for people to regard as a piece of Scripture. Be happy for somebody to get up in this pulpit, turn in their Bible, and read what you just posted on social media. Make your words like that. Anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. That's what it says. Second half of the verse says, if anyone serves, and there I think he's just thinking about all the different gifts that are more serving in nature. What do I do that's helping somebody? What do I do that's meeting needs of somebody? What do I do that is seeing what's wrong in a group or an individual, and I'm going and doing what's necessary to take care of that? If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. That's what, he says, do that. That's how you're a light to the world. I'll summarize these two by kind of filling in your blanks for you. If God has given you the power to teach or persuade, he means for you to use it to build up his kingdom. If God's given you the power to meet the needs of others, he means for you to use it to build up his kingdom. And then this verse, verse 11, ends this way. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In this world, individual talents and gifts are meant to glorify the individual. That's the way the world understands the talents you have. If you've got an extra turn of being able to study and then explain what you've learned to others, the world says, use that to get a promotion in your job. Use that to make more money. Use that to have other people look at you and say, whoa, wish I had that guy's IQ. I wish I had that 
woman's ability. That's what your talents are for. If you've got the ability to see needs and understand how to meet those needs, monetize that. Figure out a way to make people pay. To get cash out of that. That's the way the world understands what your talents are for. They're for you. They're for your glory. For your individual advancement. Now there's nothing wrong with feeding your family. That is part of what God built you to do. There is nothing wrong with building, making a living. God built you to do that. But he built you to be the light of the world. He built you to be the salt of the earth. And the gifts that he has given you, the talents that he's some of the Holy Spirit gifts are talents that he's been cooking into you before you were born. And you kind of know what they are. And he means for those to be the way that you shine into this church and out into the world and help this church be everything that it can be and help the world see the light of Jesus Christ. That's just, that's what's intended for you. Jesus Christ lit a light 2,000 years ago. By dying so that you and I could be reconciled to God. And by conquering that death in the resurrection so that you and I can live in the hope of eternal life with God. Today, Jesus says to you, he says to me, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you so much for the care you have put into our lives even before we were born. And God, we want to use the best of ourselves to bring glory to you. God, we want to take care of our families. We want to take care of our basic needs. But God, we want to give the best of ourselves to you. We don't want to give the scraps. We don't want to give the little uh, end pieces to you, whatever we've got left over. We want to give the best of ourselves so that your light and your glory will shine out in the world and people will know who you are and that they will see you, the truth about you. God, help us, give us strength to be those people that can shine for you. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation, if you need prayers or help, or if today is the day you want to put on Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.